0: Genesis 8, verses 1 to 22. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained and the water receded steadily from the earth and at the end of the 150 days the water decreased. In the seventh month, On the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. The water decreased steadily until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then it came about at the end of the forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. The dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. Now it came about in the 600th and first year. In the first month, on the first day of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, On the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and they that breed abundantly on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord, uh, offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: So certainly in uh, springtime, you and I have occasion... uh hopefully rare occasions to experience uh destructive power of floods. It seemed like last week, uh a very short period of time, uh, somewhere in Florida, there was a 24-inch deluge of rain. Can you imagine? The streets were flooded and people were wading through the water. Just destructive power of water. And in a measure that's what is here, because God has uh washed the earth uh, with a flood. He's going to start over. Uh, why is he starting over? Because the godly line in chapter 6 failed, and wickedness and evil intensified. And so God simply hoses the world down uh, to clean it. Uh, and God is true to his word to deliver Noah, and he begins again with a, with a new creation. It's important to see in this text that uh, there are a number of markers that God is indeed starting again with a new creation. And as we read and study through the rest of the book of Genesis, uh, this event recapitulates over and over again. Uh, As God in his grace takes the failure of mankind, uh, is faithful to start over uh, until he sends his only begotten son who finalizes the majesty of uh, the beginning and starting point of the new creation, uh, beginning with regeneration. So in verses 1 to 14, uh, the waters abate, signaling that the judgment is over. It's very interesting. Uh, There's a very close parallel here uh, to uh, Genesis uh, chapter uh, 1 uh, in verse 2. Uh, that God in that text was moving over the surface of the waters. And here the Spirit is going to move over the surface of the waters and cause dry ground to appear. Uh, The text begins, I think, with a very beautiful figure. It's a very encouraging figure that should uh, warm all of our hearts. Uh, God remembered... Noah. Uh, The reason I say it's figure is because God does not forget anything. Uh, He knows all things from eternity past because he decrees all things. Uh, But the point of the text is, is not his omniscience, which is certainly valid. He knows all things. But it's a substitution of the reality that he is about to act to deliver Noah from the flood. Uh, This remembering of God is picked up. uh, We'll look at it again in uh, Genesis uh, 19. Uh, God is about to go to uh, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and utterly destroy it like he's destroyed the earth. But before he goes to do that, the text reads, God remembered Abraham. And it's a figure to us to recall that before he destroys the city with fire, he's going to rescue Lot. Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, another, again, act of remembering. The text reads, God remembered Rachel. He's about to act to do something marvelous. Uh, Namely, he's going to open Rachel's womb that that he has closed. So it's a marker that a great redemptive event, salvific event, if you will, is going to occur, but it's God's faithfulness to His promise. It's a reminder that God is faithful. He makes promises. He delivers. Uh, sometimes it takes a long time, but He's always going to deliver uh, because God remembers the great words of His promises to His people. Remind you... Um, We sometimes enter into times of uh, of, uh, wilderness in our lives. Uh, We pray and nothing seems to happen. Uh, We wonder if God has not forgotten us because of the things that are happening about us. Uh, But God doesn't forget us. If we know Christ is our Savior, we are His sons and daughters by faith in Christ. He does not forget His own. Uh, He was always going to act to preserve and to keep. And so it's our reminder in response to that uh, to learn to wait upon the Lord. Uh, In the case here, God is going to act by causing a wind to pass over the earth. I remind you that in the Hebrew text, the word wind and spirit uh, are the same word. Uh, So the spirit hovers over the waters and the waters subside another great act uh, in which uh, this very same thing uh, occurs if you recall from uh, the redemption of the people from uh, Egypt Um, Pharaoh is pursuing the children of God to destroy them and a great wind comes and separates a portion of the sea so it stands up and there's dry ground and the children of Israel can pass safely through. The sovereign spirit, if you will, making a way of escape. Providing salvation. And then when the armies of Pharaoh enter that same path, the wind causes the waters to collapse upon the armies of Egypt and they are destroyed. That's our reminder that the spirit is the uh, agent of uh, life and creation. It's exactly the language, if you will, of John chapter three, verse eight. Uh, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus about the importance of the new birth, uh, says, "The wind blows where it will. The spirit is sovereign in the new birth and the new creation. The spirit is sovereign in the new creation. Uh, the outcome uh, for Noah in verse four is the ark rested upon the mountains. It's a wordplay on Noah's name uh, because uh, the the consonants are the same. Point is rest, rest. Uh, in that sense, Noah is a type of Christ. It's our reminder that our spiritual and eternal rest is in Christ. We rest in his works spiritually uh, to affect our salvation. And in the eternal estate, when God comes again to claim us for himself uh, in uh, eternity, we will rest forever, forever, trusting his works and then celebrating the accomplishments of his work in the totality of our redemption. Uh, In the case of Noah, to confirm the restoration, he sends out a raven. As you know, the raven was an unclean bird. Then a dove. dove returns. The second attempt, the dove returns with an olive branch symbolizing uh, peace. It's also a measure that uh, a portion of the garden has returned to the earth. And then the last dove does not return. Verse 14, the earth is dried out. Another uh, reduplication of this and uh, the, the life of, of uh, Joshua. As you recall, as uh, the, the nation is reconstituted, it crosses uh, into the Jordan to enter the land. Uh, as the sole of the feet of the priests enter the river, the waters divided and they cross into the land on the dry ground that God has created. And when the soul of uh, the priests are finished and they uh, enter the dry ground, the waters close. God affecting uh, a, a reconstituted nation from the judgment of the wilderness. Remarkable acts of God. Reconstituting His people. Uh, same event occurs in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Prophet Elijah, he wants to cross the Jordan, so he takes his mantle and he strikes the river. The wind of the Spirit causes a separation of the waters. And he crosses the river of the dry ground. And then as you know the story, the chariot comes and removes him, but he leaves his mantle to Elisha to confirm that Elisha is a true prophet of God. When he wants to cross the Jordan, he strikes it, and the same event occurs. The waters separate, and there's dry ground. And when he crosses, the water closes. God reconstituting a remnant that believes and hopes and trusts in him. But Returning to the Genesis narrative in chapter 8, before Noah acts, he does something that is very, very important. He waits upon the divine word, which we have in verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah. Again, this is suggestive of a creation. Uh, The same verb is used in uh, Genesis chapter 1. And God spoke, and there was light. And God spoke, and there was dry ground. The majesty of the word of God. He speaks and creates his people. Confirms his people. Uh, in the case of Noah, he's going to commission Noah to fill the earth. That's another parallel to uh, the a cultural mandate of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 to Adam and Eve. Go and fill the earth. And Noah offers sacrifices and thanksgiving for which God is pleased. And God in His grace promises never again to destroy the earth with a flood. So the word uh, comes in verse 15 to Noah. Uh, The content is the imperative uh, to go out with his family and his wife and sons. And to bring out, verse 17, every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That is a reduplication of Genesis chapter 1 and the mandate given to Adam and Eve for which they fail. So Adam and Eve have failed. The sons of God, Genesis chapter 6, have failed. So God is starting again. It's a beautiful application here in our own uh, redemption. Uh, We, uh, as you know, uh, sometimes mess up our lives. But God is able to fix things. He is able to start over in our lives by the power of His uh, omnipotent presence. It's the hope of the Christian that He makes a way for us in this lawless world uh, because of His power. Uh, it's a good, wonderful reminder of the grace of God in our salvation. But again, to swarm and to be fruitful and multiply. So, the biblical theology is that God is starting over with the original commission uh, because the waters of the judgment of the flood are over. Uh, the greatest application of this in terms of the New Testament. Is in the Great Commission. Christ tells his disciples, Go and uh, teach the nations and baptize the nations, teach them to observe all that I've commanded to you. That's a conceptual parallel. Go into all the world and fill it with my presence and the glorious word of the gospel. And it begins to happen. Turn with me, if you would, to Uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 1. Paul has uh, uh, been at this church. Uh, In chapter 6, there's a reference to, back obviously, uh, verse 5, reference to the word of truth, the gospel. And now notice what Paul says about the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world, as is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since also the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Notice bearing fruit and increasing. The gospel is now filling the earth, accomplishing the cultural mandate of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Skip down to verse 10 so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The church at Colossia was partaking in uh, the great mandate, increasing, being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth with the glory of God, uh, which is a mandate that comes upon us at Grace Bible Church. uh, To fill the earth, Teaching and baptizing the majesty of God. Uh, so, God is beginning again and again and again until Christ, the final Adam, is successful. And the church at Colossia is a measure of that success. It's my heart desire that Grace Bible Church would be a measure of that success, it would use us to fill the earth with his glory, advancing his kingdom. Uh, In proper response, returning to Genesis chapter 8, Noah obeys. Uh, One of the things that is a marker that Noah is a true son of God is that he obeys the Lord. He obeys the Lord in making the ark. He obeys the Lord in entering the ark. And now he's going to obey the Lord to leave the ark. And so he goes out. I believe this is a measure of his dominion over the animal kingdom and that they go out with him. Verses 18-19. to It's a measure of obedience here. Uh, It's critical for us to understand that part of filling the earth is we express a measure of the grace of God as we obey His Word. Uh, and to proclaim His dominion over the earth, uh, Noah builds an altar to the Lord. Verse 20. It's very interesting, there's a shift here in the name of the Lord that I think is a very important marker. Marker. Previously, the dominant name for God has been Elohim as the name of God most associated with creation. Uh, Now it's the name of God, which is Yahweh, which is the name most often associated with God in His relationships with His people. And God has a relationship with Noah. How do we know that? Chapter 6, verse 9, Noah walked with God. It's a personal relationship with His people. He is their God and they walk with Him. God is transcendent but also imminent and is personal to His people. Again, I know that oftentimes in life uh, we enter periods of wilderness and sometimes God seems long ago and far away. But God is always near. He is in us because we are his sons and daughters. He is with us because of the eternal covenant of redemption. And we are to obey and to walk with him every day. I love the text of Genesis uh, chapter 5. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. And God took him. Great reminder of the hope of the Christian. We walk with God. And when we leave this earth, he takes us to be with him forever and ever. So God is in a personal relationship with us uh, because uh, He is our God, we are His sons and daughters, and He walks with us, and we walk with Him. It's very interesting that Noah takes of the clean animals and offers sacrifice. And there's an aroma to the Lord signifying that, uh, again, another figure of speech, that God is satisfied with his work of judgment and redemption and his restart with Noah and his family. It's very interesting, in the Old Testament, as you know, uh, sacrificial system um, in the New Testament, Uh, The Lord is our Passover. The Lord is our sacrifice. And then uh, we too are the sacrifice. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, It's a reminder uh, that we are now, by the grace of God, uh, the new sacrifice. Uh, Paul says in that uh, very, very important text uh, that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship, and we're not to be conformed to the world. Uh, Now we're the sacrifice. uh, As we labor to advance his kingdom, as we fill the earth with his glory, as we teach others to observe the commandments of God, Uh, it is challenging work, difficult work, uh, but we so engage because Christ is our redemptive sacrifice. And in thanksgiving for the majesty of what he has done for us, in taking for us uh, upon himself uh, the penalty of what was due to us, we render a life of a repetitive and continual sacrifice. Thus the language of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. Uh, So the new start has trust and obedience with Noah and, of course, with all of God's people. The text uh, reads, uh, the Lord smelled the aroma and said to himself, literally the Hebrew text is uh, uh, literally uh, to his heart, I will never again curse the ground to destroy every, every living thing. Uh, even though the intent of men's heart is evil. So God makes a covenant with Noah. uh, Between himself, between Noah, never again. To send a worldwide flood after uh, the example of Genesis chapter 7 and 8. Throughout all the cycles of life, planting or harvesting, summer or winter, day and night, the promise stands. that our life and safety based upon the great promises of our, of our great God. Uh, language is picked up in our own lives. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, Paul says, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Meaning that God was pleased with the sacrifice of Noah, with the sacrifice of His only Son, Jesus Christ, and He is pleased with our lives as we become sacrificial in filling the earth with the glory and the majesty of our great God. That there's an element of our redemption that we desire in all things, even though we are still fallen. We desire overwhelmingly to please the Lord, to obey Him, to keep His Word. The sacrifice of our Savior satisfied uh, the wrath of God that we deserved, and God was pleased. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives a measure of how this works out in the life of the Christians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, uh, Paul received a financial gift from the church, He says, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Notice how he describes the financial gift. Philippians 4.18, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Notice the repetitive reduplication. Pleased with the sacrifice of Noah. Pleased with the sacrifice of Christ. Pleased with the sacrifice that the Philippian church uh, remembered the Apostle Paul to help him in his ministry. Our lives, fragrant aroma, compelling desire to please the Lord in light of all that he has done for us in our great redemption. Uh, The flood and the deliverance is also personal. Here it's historical. It's also personal to us. Because we too are delivered from waters into new life. Never again to face eternal judgment. Think of it this way in the language of uh, the Apostle Peter. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Peter says, now baptism saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you know, in baptism, there's an act of profound identification. We are taken under the waters in total judgment and then raised again to newness of life in Christ. Symbolic of what it means to be unified with Christ. Raised into the heavenlies with Him through the waters of judgment. A a reminder of this in uh, the life of an Old Testament uh, saint, Uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 22, uh, in verse 17. David's Psalm of Praise is the overarching context. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. Psalm 32, verses 6 and 7. Therefore let everyone who is godly say to thee in a time when thou mayest be found, surely in a flood of great waters they shall not reach him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou dost preserve me from the trouble. Thou dost surround me with songs of deliverance. So it's really true in life. Sometimes there's great waters that come upon us. A spiritual figure of trouble and distress. God always rescues His sons and daughters. He never forgets them. It's the beauty of it. The Lord remembered Noah. The Lord remembered Abraham. The Lord remembered Rachel. Rachel. the Lord remembered you. Rescued you. Out of many waters. So there is relief from judgment and the reminder that God is sovereign over the waters. They obey Him. He is the Lord of the storm. He is the Lord of our salvation. Great Gospel of substitutionary atonement. Terrible judgment falls upon the Son and the blessings accrue to us as the many sons of God. Uh, The concept of a flood is uh, also an eschatological event. uh, I believe occurring uh, even today. Um, If you turn to Revelation chapter 12, Expression of this. Uh, The dragon uh, seeks to destroy uh, Christ, um, and he's taken up into heaven, referencing his resurrection. Uh, Verse five, he's caught up to God, uh, and Satan comes in anger to destroy uh, his many sons. Verse 15. Notice notice the reference to a flood. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Uh, I think your figure of speech here is the waters of deception. He wants to deceive uh, the many sons, to sweep them away into error and to ruin Notice again the reference to God's creative ability and power, verse 16. And the earth helped the woman. I believe, however you translate that, that it speaks in a measure to the people of God. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened up its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of its mouth. So it's a separation from the water and the earth. If you will, we can take the story of the great flood of Genesis chapter 8 and apply it to our lives. Satan is pursuing us, just like Pharaoh pursued the children of Israel to destroy them in the sea. He pours out a flood. He's much more powerful than we are. Much more powerful. But God helps us. The earth drinks up the water we escape because of the power of God. It's a reminder that our deliverance in Christ preserves and keeps us. And the great power of the Spirit, the great wind, if you will, separates uh, the waters of deception from safe ground. And we are made safe by the power of God. God delivers us as well in a new creation of the new birth that will eventuate an ultimate deliverance into eternity. It's a story, I think, of the flood. The earth becomes so filthy that God hoses it down and starts over with Noah. And that repeats itself until finally the great Son of God comes. The incarnate Word. And when He leaves, He dispatches His great Spirit. The great wind, if you will. That makes us new. And He blows where He wills. What a reminder of, that you owe your salvation to the sovereign grace of God. He blows on our lives and we come to life. We walk on dry ground. Despite the designs of the great forces of uh, Satan and his attempts to deceive the church, the truth. It's our reminder from Genesis 8 that Noah knew that he owed his rescue, his deliverance to the great power of God. You and I should know the same. That we owe our salvation to the great power of God, to the great wind, the great spirit that blows where it will, so that we walk safely and He will see us to the end and to His great eternal kingdom. Uh, it's an important truth, all the reality of God's ability to start over and over and over again until He brings His Son. Because in the next judgment, God will hose the earth with fire because it has become corrupt again. Not a flood of water as in Genesis chapter 8, but with fire to purify it, to cleanse it from evil, to start again. And you and I will appear safe on the other side. Because we have walked where the fire has already burned in our great Redeemer. And so, as the water didn't get Noah, the fire will not get us because of our great Savior. It's a great reminder that God will cleanse the earth again. Our hope that He is at work, gathering His own. Uh, If you're here this morning and you know not, Uh, the great Redeemer who is Christ, uh, I trust as you ponder the flood of Genesis chapter 8 and the flood that comes out of the mouth of the dragon that you will ponder your overwhelming need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and seek Him and pursue Him and ask Him uh, to be gracious to you and to bring an olive branch of peace. And to settle the issue by giving you faith to believe and to hope in Him and Him alone. And uh, to that end, may you find no rest or peace until you find eternal rest in Jesus Christ. The eternal hope of all of God's children of whom we are a part because we name His name as our only Redeemer.